learned a lot of different things in this uh, time of pandemic, and one thing that I've learned about uh, recently as I have grown my beard a little bit longer is mask beard. Uh, if you're familiar with hat hair, it's, uh, it's very similar what happens with the beard and the mask, and uh, it causes sort of a little dent right here, but... We are learning how Jesus teaches hospitality and demonstrates hospitality. Southern living defines Southern hospitality with six main characteristics. Charity, politeness, kindness, helpfulness, charm, and good home cooking. And I would expand that last one to, to more broadly include table welcome, a welcome at the table. Last week, we heard how God shows us charity, kindness, and helpfulness. She not only makes her home ready to invite us in, but she does this even better than Southerners because she comes and makes our home ready for her. Jesus tells us of the hospitality of the Holy Spirit that gives each person a perfectly inviting and welcoming home of their own within each heart. And in today's story, we see how from the foundation of that home inside each of us, Jesus creates hospitality in the world by welcoming others whom others reject. Our story is from the Gospel according to Matthew in the second chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with dinners, I'm sorry, that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. They said to his disciples, why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in this story, Jesus shows us what it looks like to show hospitality to others. And not just any others, them. Very otherly others. Sinners. 
It'd probably be helpful to understand exactly what Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees are talking about when they refer to the righteous and the sinners. Jesus uses righteous here, and the scribes of the Pharisees use the term to refer to people who uphold the customs and the laws and the norms of the Jewish law of Moses. And Jesus isn't being sarcastic when he says the righteous. Like, he means that none are really righteous, but Jesus is just saying, the righteous are not who I've come to call. There's no air quotes here. Jesus is teaching from a, a, a point of view that suggests that regular, everyday Jews could be righteous when they followed the law. And that the scribes of the Pharisees would be the most righteous in this way. They had learned the law. They did it zealously. Jesus distinguishes or perhaps marks a societal distinction between the righteous, the insiders, who are the regular law-abiding Jews, and the outsiders, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the ones who lived outside the Jewish law. Jesus calls them sinners. Jesus distinguishes between righteous and sinners. He's using the terms differently than we often do. When we take Paul's theology from Romans 3, where Paul writes that there are none righteous, but all have sinned, the often we will interpret it that way because then we can get away from the discomfort of what Jesus is teaching us here. We can say, well, everyone's a sinner. We're sinners too. So when Jesus is eating with sinners, he's just saying that he's eating with, with us. But Jesus isn't talking about us. Not in the way that he's using the term. Jesus is talking about them. Those who live outside the boundaries of the norms of our church family. Jesus is talking about insiders and outsiders. Maybe that would be a more helpful way to think about it instead of righteous and sinners. You see, the Pharisees don't think that Jesus is sort of just talking about everyone. They recognize the radical nature of what Jesus is doing, and they're baffled. By Jesus eating with outsiders. They're not angry yet. Not this early in the Gospels. They're not angry with Jesus. They're just absolutely flabbergasted that this rabbi who generally is teaching pretty good stuff and has generally got a pretty good following of people, of good, righteous people, is sitting down to eat with outsiders. It strikes me that the Pharisees here are kind of like northerners experiencing southern hospitality for the first time. It's totally baffling. 
I'm thinking about a story that a friend of mine's mom tells when she moved down uh, from Chicago to live in South Carolina. And she'd heard about the bugs in the South, but she couldn't believe how bad they really were because every time she would go outside, everybody was going like this. Every, she'd walk down the street and people would do like this. She was like, what is wrong with it? They must have so many flies bothering them. She was totally baffled by our southern wave that we do to folks who are driving by, walking by. Jesus baffles the Pharisees with his charm. True charm. That kind of true southern charm is authenticity that declares and conveys genuine care and concern for someone else. My neighbor, Roberts, is actually from Detroit, but he conveys this kind of true charm. The way when you sit with him and talk with him, you can tell he really cares about you, your company. He wants to be with you. He values your presence. Diverse people are following Jesus, insiders and outsiders, because they have felt this welcome, this desire that Jesus has for them to, to be with him and for him to be with them. It totally baffles the Pharisees. And of course, we see here Jesus' radical table welcome. This is a story like my Uncle Gene tells from his childhood that describes, I think, the kind of southern table welcome. See, my uncle is a big man. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. And even back when he was in high school, he was 6'5", a big, big guy. But my grandmother was raised in the north and cooked with northern cooking, right? When serve every evening some boiled chicken and maybe some boiled Brussels sprouts. But they ate dinner at seven. So each evening that before he came home for dinner, my uncle would be welcomed into a neighbor's house where he would enjoy a good home-cooked southern meal, fried, buttered, and ham inside of every vegetable. My grandmother was baffled when she found out that her son was being welcomed for a second dinner every night. This kind of radical welcome, charm, desire for people who are different than you to be with you and to treat them like your own. Jesus shows us this. He didn't judge those who didn't follow prescribed customs and norms. He invited them to the table with him with a hospitality that showed how deeply he cared for their integrity of person, for their dignity of self. His authentic charm attracted thousands who were otherwise outcasts to come out of hiding, to seek him out and sit at the table with him. 
And from there they got the learning that they needed, the healing that they needed to find their way home. A fundamental piece of this healing that Jesus offers to outsiders. It's not just that he calls the sinners and the outcasts to a new life, although he does call them to a new life, to internal healing. But to the people who are outcasts, who come to him, the woman at the well, Lazarus up in the tree, Levi the tax collector, He calls them back into community, back into society. Yes, to new lives, to leave their life of sin behind, but also back to be treated as equals again, to be treated with dignity again. He calls them brothers and sisters again. And he does this with his baffling, extravagant hospitality. He doesn't just say that they are to be tolerated. He says that they are to be welcome. That's our call. That's our call from Jesus to show hospitality to them. To people who are outsiders. <coughs> who are unconnected to church. People who are not looking for a church and maybe haven't darkened the doorway of a church since they were young and their parents made them go. I'm not saying that those are the sinners that we need to save, not in the way that we would usually mean it, but more in the way that Jesus uses it here. People who are not conforming to the customs and norms of our righteous church society. Jesus calls us to open our home, this home, but not just this building, the home that we share in our hearts, the home that we have as members of St. Paul, as people who are bound together in the love of Christ to know that we are brothers and sisters, that we love each other, that we have a home with one another that goes beyond this building and to open that to others, to them, to outsiders. I don't know who outsiders are for you. I don't know if it's somebody with a lot of tattoos. I don't know if it's somebody who just got out of prison. I don't know if it's the homeless families that we pass on the street. I don't know if it's somebody who just doesn't know that you can't wear a, a, a t-shirt and shorts to shirt, church. It's whoever are the outsiders. We are called to show the hospitality of Jesus, the radical outreach to join together at a table, the kind of authentic charm that lets people know that we really, really want a relationship with them, 
We want to be friends with them. We want to share our lives with them. That is the kind of relationship that opens the path to healing. We want to share that healing that we have known in Jesus. Now, I know it's different right now, not being here, not being in our building. We have to extend our hospitality online. And we've had a lot of new people who have engaged with our prayer time, who have engaged with our worship service. We have to show our charm and our welcome. There's a lot of you out there who are more active on social media than I am, who know a lot more about doing this on social media than I do. When you see new people, outsiders, folks whose names you don't know, friend them. Send them a message. Say, thanks for being with us. Look at their stuff and like it and comment on it. Do all the things that we do with our friends. Because that's how we're going to show people that we really welcome them, that we want them to be a part of what we share here. Now, once we're back in person, there's lots of ways that we can help people to feel welcome. We can reserve a parking spot out front for guests. We can reserve it on the street and welcome them to the door. They don't know our liturgy and our hymns, so we put them up on the screen to make it easy. They're uncomfortable with the passing of the peace, so we go and we talk to them. Their kids aren't quiet. Their kids don't sit still. Their kids have never been in church before. We go to them and let them know, it's okay. We want you here. Above all, we have to actually really and truly care. We really want to have relationships with new people, with outsiders. We've invited and welcomed new members to this church in the two years that I've been here, and yet I still talk to other older members who have not met them, who don't know their names. We've got to actually want to form relationships with new people. To actually make friends with them. To share the love that we share with new people. True hospitality comes from really and truly wanting people, them, others, to join and be a part of our family, to share in the love of Jesus Christ that has healed us and, and is working to heal us, that we know offers healing for all, that binds us together. That love in our hearts poured out to others. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.